Welcome back to Calvary Baptist Church of Burbank. Uh, another one of our coronavirus shutdown video devotionals. Um, I'm very aware that for some people, the shutdown is more difficult, more traumatic than it is for others. Um, and so I thought it'd be good to give ourselves a little reminder um, of what I call the ABC of lament. Now, we, uh, I taught a sermon on this a while back. You can find it on the church website. Um, if it's possible, maybe we'll try and get a link to it um, somewhere in the, the blurb for this video. Um, but I wanted to go to a passage that wasn't a lament psalm, but was an example of lament um, from elsewhere in the Bible. And in fact, it's a really important one. It's a really foundational lament. And that's found in Exodus chapter two. So again, good time to, if you haven't already, pick up your Bible, pause the video, turn to Exodus two, and then stick it back on again. But we'll, we'll dig straight into Exodus two. And the last few verses of Exodus two in, from verse 23 and this is what the text says. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. When we talk about the ABC of lament, it's just a really simple uh, way of remembering what constitutes a biblical form of lament. And it's a reminder to us so that we know what we have to do when we lament. And it's, it's broken down to its most basic elements. I'm aware that other people far more academic and far cleverer than I am have uh, a bigger structures of what constitutes lament. I think this is a fairly good one. I think it's very simple. And of course, the ABC makes it very easy to remember. And in every lament in the Bible, you'll find all three parts, the A, the B and the C. And this passage is no exception. So let's go through them one at a time and see where they are in this passage. Then I'll give you a very brief reminder of why of each of these points are important. And um, then we'll see how that text will uh, apply to us. So let's have a look. This is a passage that is um, at the time of the Exodus. Moses is about to go and meet God at the burning bush. And the people of Israel are crying out for relief from their slavery. So we're told in verse 23, during those days, uh, those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. The A of the ABC of lament is acknowledgement. There is here in this passage the acknowledging of the Israelites. What they are doing is they're groaning because of their slavery. They are very aware of what the problem is and of the pain that they're feeling. And the groaning is a way of expressing the, the, the trauma, the pain, the hardship, the difficulty that came with their slavery. One of the things in our circles of church often that we do very badly when it comes to lament is we don't allow for acknowledgement. And it's shameful. I mean, it's, it is, in its worst case, is truly wicked. It is so important for us to know that we biblically 
have a basis for the acknowledgement of our pain. Now, sometimes the pain that we have is our own fault. Sometimes the pain that we have has come about because of our own sin. And sometimes the pain that we have comes about because we misunderstand things and we're in the wrong. But God is a God who cares for his children. Not when, only when we're right, not only when we do things well, but all the time. And that's going to become clear as we go through this passage. And so there is, regardless of the whys, there is a biblical basis for us to acknowledge our pain. And not only is there a basis for us to do it, I believe there's an imperative to do it. It is so important that we are honest with ourselves about our own feelings. It is not godly to bottle things up. It's not godly for us to say, oh, you know what, don't worry, things are okay. The church is a place where people should be ministering to one another, ministering to each other's needs, caring for one another, loving for one another. And if we are people who refuse to share our pain with others in the church, then we are hindering the process of maturity by not allowing others to minister to us and not allowing us to be ministered to by others. Now, I'm well aware that we may not want to share our secrets and our pains and our heartaches with everybody at church. That's not what I'm saying. And there may well be occasions where it is appropriate to only acknowledge before God and not to others. But in our own hearts and before God, who sees our hearts, there must at least be an acknowledgement of the genuineness of our pain and how it makes us feel. We often see in biblical counselling circles, very sadly, we see people who are brushed with who are brushed aside in regards to their pain and their suffering, rather than allowed to acknowledge it. People who are told that their feelings are somehow invalid. People are sometimes told that, that, that they shouldn't be thinking that way. I just don't see the laments of scripture supporting that. One thing I'm working on right now is a, is a longer, full-on sermon on Psalm 88, which is, uh, if you're not aware, the most miserable and darkest of all laments in scripture. And it seems to me that that kind of passage is in the Bible as a reminder to us that there will always be people in that place who need that kind of psalm. And for us to brush it aside and say, look, you shouldn't be talking in such terms. You shouldn't be feeling that way is to deny the place of that psalm in Scripture. Acknowledgement is important. And I think that one of the reasons that we lose so many people in the church. One of the reasons that we, um, we push people away is by hurting them through the very simple lack of acknowledgement of their pain. When people are hurting, I, I get this, I'm terrible at this to be quite honest with you. When people are hurting, we just want to go in and give them the answers so they're fixed. But that's not what hurting people want or need. They need someone to come and sit with them in their pain and accept that acknowledgement, to let them know it's okay, to let them know that they understand long before they do anything else. Acknowledgement is so important. And I hope that we understand that. And here in this passage, though it's very brief in this particular example, we still see it. It's there in every lament. There is an acknowledgement. We are under slavery and we're groaning because of it. And so the Israelites were groaning. 
God didn't call down to them and say, stop groaning and moaning. You should be grateful for all the good things I've given to you. There was a hearing of their groans and a hearing of their cry. Then if we go ahead a little bit to verse 24, it said, And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. In other words, when God hears their cry, when he hears uh, who they, um, sorry, he hears what they are saying, when he hears those groans, he does so, he responds to those groans on the basis of who he is. Now, this is really key. The difference between acknowledging and grumbling is that grumbling so often is a horizontal thing grumbling to somebody else, or it is an isolated thing. Whereas acknowledgement isn't really the same thing. It's not the same kind of blaming. It's not the same kind of pointing the finger. And it typically has a vertical element. When they are groaning, they're crying out for help. And the cry comes to God. The cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard it because he remembered the covenant. In other words, the reason to cry out to God was because of the covenant relationship he had with his people through their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That was the basis for crying to him. It was like, you're our God and, and you're the one who can do something about this. So we're going to cry out to you. And this is the B in the ABC of lament. The B is behold, behold our God, see him, look at him, understand him, know who he is. They knew the relationship they had with God. They knew who he was and what he was able to do. So he was the one that they took the groans, the acknowledgement to. It's pointless us having an acknowledgement of our pain and knowing how we are and what we're going through and what we're feeling, but having a very shallow understanding of God. We, we mustn't equally have an understanding of God and have a very you know, brushing aside a shallow acknowledgement of what we're actually going through. We need to, to have an embracing of both of those things, that we fully understand the pain and the heartache, and we pour that out to God because of who he is. And this is where knowing the attributes of God, understanding the basis of our relationship with God is, is so utterly crucial. You see, if you don't really believe that God is sovereign, that he's in control of all things, then why would you cry out to him to change things, to, for things to cease as, to be as they are, for the pain to be taken away? We cry out to God because he is able. But if he's able, but he's not bothered, then that would take away a reason to cry out to him. But fortunately, we have a God who is a God of love, and a God of compassion, and a God of kindness, and a God who cares. That's what, what Peter tells us when he says that we, um, uh, that we want to give him our burdens, that we want to come to him and humble ourselves by, by praying to him. And that passage talks about his sovereignty, the passage talks about us acknowledging our pain, but the basis there is because he cares for you. Some of us 
the understanding that God is sovereign, the understanding that God is in control, is actually easier for us than the understanding that God actually cares for us. That when we cry our tears of sorrow, that there is a God who is almighty and powerful, who nonetheless cries with us. I find that harder myself. Maybe you do too. But nonetheless, it's true. That's who he is. And that's the basis of us seeing him and knowing that he's the one to go to. And the real basis here of them crying out to God is the understanding that God was their covenant God. He was the one who had made a covenant with them. He made promises to them and was going to keep those promises. And the promises couldn't be fulfilled while they're living in slavery in Egypt. Now we, if we're Christians, we are covenant people as well. And the covenant that we have with God is one that is done, that is forged, that is cut, if you want the uh, correct verb, on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. When we see God willingly becoming man, when we see God suffering for our sins on the cross, then we should be in no doubt of his heart towards us. You see, when we have a God who is both good and sovereign, who is both powerful and caring, when we have a God who is in charge and who loves us, then we have a basis to go from A to B to C and to cry out to him. That's our C, crying out to God. Because you know what? If you acknowledge your pain and if you truly know who God is, it's still possible to shut your mouth, to shut your heart, to not respond, to not cry out, to not take it to him. Why? Sometimes because of pride. Sometimes because you've cried out so much you can barely cry anymore. Keep on crying. When you have tears, I believe he cries with us. So keep on crying out. We see in the text here that the ABC isn't necessarily always in order. Here we have the acknowledgement of their, of their slavery, the groaning. And they cry out to God. They cry for rescue, for slavery to God. And then who God is and the, the basis of their relationship comes next. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he saw the people and he knew. And that word knew is important because that word to know, that verb to know is talking about a relational knowing. That he has this, this relationship with his people. So all the elements, where we're at, who God is. And us, therefore, on the basis of those two things, crying out to him, they're there in the text. And you will find them in every lament in the Bible. Whether we look at the lament psalms, whether we look at lamentations, whether we look to Jeremiah's laments within his own book, whether we look to laments of, of Christ and of Paul, which you will find. And, and laments take different forms. They're not always songs, they're not always poetic, but they always have those three elements as a bare minimum. The A, the B, the C. Acknowledgement, beholding of God, and the crying out to him. 
And they'll always be in different orders. Many Psalms will, will start off by beholding God. Oh God, I know who you are. And here is my state. Some Psalms, you'll have uh, a, um, an acknowledging of, of pain and then a turning to, to who God is. But you, Lord, I know who you are. And so I ask you for help crying out. And then what happens? When somebody who we're counseling acknowledges their pain and then we point them to God and they behold God and they cry out to him, are we done? No. So often in the Psalms, the acknowledgement is repeated again and again and again, even after beholding, even after crying out, because acknowledgement does not have a time limit. In that, in that terribly <sighs> sorrowful Psalm of Psalm 88 that I referenced earlier, he says that this state that he is in, that he's been like that since his youth, he's clearly at this point an old man. He spent most of his life in suffering and in pain. That kind of life requires acknowledgement, acknowledgement, acknowledgement. Do you know, I think that the ignoring of pain, the refusal to acknowledge communally, is one of the worst things about the church today. The book of Job, his friends came alongside him and they sat in silence. 10 out of 10 for the beginning, but after that it went downhill very quickly. And they were keen to point the finger, they were keen to blame him, they were keen to make sure that they, he understood that his suffering was in some way, shape or form his own fault. And Job was put into a situation that required him to acknowledge his pain again and again and again and again. And it is a tragedy that in the evangelical church, we are so often familiar with the first two chapters of Job and the last few chapters of Job, but the middle bit is like a, an alien mystery to us. Why? Because we are comfortable with a man being so godly that he will say, naked I came and naked I'll depart. May the name of the Lord be praised when he goes through terrible suffering. And we want to quote that and encourage people to be like that. But we do not want to sit alongside them while they moan and they grumble and they cry out and they, they suffer and they need to acknowledge that suffering and they need someone to understand their pain just again and again and again. And it's interesting that when God shows up, Though Job is reminded that he didn't behold quite as much as he should have done, that he didn't know quite as much as he should have known, he nonetheless didn't speak wrongly, whereas his companions, his so-called friends, did. For those in our circles who counsel and practice biblical counseling, which I believe is the, the preferable mode of, of counseling within the church, let me just give you a caution. Don't be Job's friends. Don't feel that if somebody is expressing pain and sorrow, that they have to be fixed. That they have to be told, well, you shouldn't be thinking that way because the Bible says this. I do not believe that it is a godly way to counsel if someone is anxious about something and we're throwing verses about do not be anxious at them as if we've given them this, this complete cure. And then if they're still anxious, the only problem is that they simply haven't believed in the Bible verses that you've given them. That's not godly counseling. 
That's lazy counselling. What needs to happen with someone with anxiety, first and foremost, is an embracing of their suffering, a weeping alongside them, an understanding of the things that are troubling them. And then, of course, there has to be that place where we show them the majesty of God, just how wonderful he is, how trustworthy he is, and how even in the darkest of times he weeps alongside us and he can be trusted because he's working all his purposes out for our good. And there's passage after passage after passage that we can point to that will illustrate and explain and declare the majesty of God and his character and his attributes and his name and his glory and who he is so that they can again trust him and cry out to him. And we can guide them on that pathway. But I want us to understand this, that any command of scripture, do not be anxious, for example, may well be the same command for all of us. But it is not as easy for all of us. If I asked everybody who is listening to this to go and run a marathon right now, just hit pause, put on your shoes, get out the door, run a marathon, that's the same thing. 26.2 miles. It's the same distance for each and every one of us. But what I'm asking you to do will be very different depending on you, your health, your age, your physical fitness, and what kind of weather there is outside, wherever you're living, or whatever time of year it is right now. And so there needs to always be compassion and patience and long-suffering. Because that's how God is. And as we counsel others, we want to be mirrors of God. So this is my little reminder to you. I think it's such an important one. Um, if you listen to these videos, if they blessed you in any way, can I ask you a favor? Right now during quarantine, I'm trying to take my uh, studies, my teaching on the ABC of Lament, and I'm trying to put it into book form. I think it's just an astonishingly important um, teaching that the church needs to hear today. I'm not doing it because I want to do anything grand. I just think it's something that will help people and I want to help. I want them to have something that I wish that I could have had in my hands when I went through my darkest days. And so if you think of it, if you remember, if you're inclined to, I would ask for your prayers that we can maybe get something permanent down in writing about the ABCs of lament so that people who are suffering and struggling, and perhaps people who, who haven't found a godly response within the church, would know what it is to lament biblically would know that it's okay to acknowledge their pain, to express their suffering, to feel how they're feeling, but would be directed to the God who can, the God who loves, the God who is able, the God who is righteous. And they would seek to glorify him. They would place their trust in him by the very act of crying out to him. By crying out to God in our pain, we acknowledge that he is the one who is able to fix it. We acknowledge that he is the one who is able to change things, even if he chooses not to. And if that is to be the case, he is still the God who is good and who loves us. I hope that's helpful to you. May God bless you, however this quarantine is going for you.